0: Ready to get charged up? Visit the Downtown Kia EV Discovery Centre, Canada's newest Kia dealer located on 8th and Burrard in beautiful Vancouver, BC, and home to the electric vehicle experts. Learn all about Kia's cutting-edge EV technology and discover all the benefits of going electric. Contact Downtown Kia today at downtownkia.com to arrange a test drive, and they'll even bring the test drive to your front door. Book your test drive or shop safely online 24-7 at downtownkia.com. That's downtownkia.com. latest episode of Plugged In, the post-media podcast taking you down Canada's electric vehicle highway. I'm your host, Andrew McCready. This episode marks the return of Plugged In after hitting the pause button in mid-March due to the COVID-19 outbreak. It's great to be back, and amidst all the uncertainty and difficult news we've all been subjected to these past few months, I'm happy to report on some very good news. Plugged In producer Dharmakwana and his wife Sarah welcomed their first child into the world on May 15th. Mother, father, and we, Samson, are doing very well. Congratulations to them all. To mark our return, our guest today is one you'll be familiar with from Season 1. Ken Bocor has been reporting on the Canadian electric vehicle scene for a number of years, primarily through his EV Revolution show on YouTube. He brings a data-mining approach to his reporting, along with a keen interest in the ever-evolving public policy surrounding the implication of our country's EV network. We've brought Ken back specifically to give us his thoughts, and his always up-to-date stats, on the impact COVID-19 has had on the EV revolution, and what lies ahead for the industry in the coming months and years. But first, some interesting news from the electric vehicle world. A recent headline in the Sunday Times had me sit up and take notice. It read, electric car scientists use nuclear tech to chase a 10-minute charge. Wow. Talk about a game-changer. Here's the story. A UK engineering group called QDOT is incorporating a cooling technique used on fusion reactors into electric vehicle batteries in an effort to allow a quicker charging time. The reason it takes so long to charge up an electric vehicle, still some 45 minutes or so with state-of-the-art fast chargers, is that the battery packs get too hot to handle the incoming flow of electricity. QDOT's solution to that problem is boring a nuclear reactor cooling technique that uses metal plates with a precise geometric pattern of holes drilled into them that allow heat to keep flowing and dissipate through the plates. While present EV batteries are designed with cooling plates on the outside, QDOT has put them on the inside, allowing heat to be drawn away from the battery core rather than its outside elements. The research is being done in collaboration with the Faraday Institution, and according to its head of technology transfer Ian Ellerington, they hope the system could be in vehicles in five years. Obviously, this is still an unproven concept but it underscores the kind of brainpower that is being tapped to drive the electric vehicle revolution forward. That kind of problem-solving ingenuity was also on display in an opinion article in the most recent edition of Corporate Nights magazine, one co-authored by Suncor CEO Mark Little and Alberta Innovates CEO Laura Kilcrease. Little predicted that society's shift to electric vehicles and other low-carbon technologies could disrupt crude oil demand on a scale similar to that of COVID-19's impact on the energy sector – in other words, a big impact. And with global investors blacklisting Suncor and other large oil sands producers due to excessive greenhouse emissions, the writing is on the wall for these companies to figure out a pathway forward. Little writes, the temporary economic lockdown triggered by the 2020 pandemic is giving us a glimpse into a not-too-distant future where the transformation of our energy system could disrupt demand on a similar scale. To survive, and quite possibly thrive in such a future, the Suncor CEO suggests diversification into hydrogen, renewable jet fuel, and most interestingly, carbon fiber. Carbon fiber? Well, a base ingredient of that strong yet lightweight material, which is used in most every electric vehicle on the market, is called asphaltines, which Bitumen is full of. Concluded Little. If we figure out how to do this affordably at scale, it has the potential to quadruple the revenue from Alberta's current bitumen output. This is the kind of innovative thinking, like finding battery charging solutions from the nuclear energy sector, that we need to not only see the electric vehicle industry segment grow, but with it, jobs and investment. I'm a big believer in the power of science solving the big problems the world faces from climate change to food supply to poverty. And these are just two examples how thinking outside the box might pave the way for electric vehicles to one day replace gasoline-powered vehicles and a cleaner environment. I know our guest today subscribes to that belief. So let's bring Ken into the conversation. Ken Bocor is the Toronto-based host of the EV Revolution show on YouTube. He's also a new member of the Automotive Journalists Association of Canada, better known as AJAC, and has the distinct honor of being plugged in's first repeat guest. Welcome back,
1: Ken. Well, thank you. That's quite the intro to have to live up to. I appreciate it quite a lot.
0: Well, I think probably being a member of the uh, of AJAC is a little more, uh, uh, you know, it's more important than being the repeat guest. But uh, your your knowledge was very much appreciated in the first season, and. Uh, thank you heading into the relaunch of the second season, which this episode is, uh, given the circumstances of Mm -hmm. COVID-19. I just wanted to bring you on because you have such a great sense of the landscape of EVs in Canada. And um, obviously, things have changed or or haven't changed, but are on hold. I mean, who knows how, Mm but... um, First off, uh, how is the EV Revolution show going during these strange? Times? Well, thank you
1: for asking, and again, thank you for having me on, especially as a repeat guest. It's an honor. And listen, I love your show. You've been doing a great job, and congrats on uh, season two and continuing with that. Uh, the show is the thank show you. is doing well. Uh, I continue to grow uh, uh, subscribership uh, in a slow and steady fashion. And I'm again, I'm not really about uh, getting crazy numbers of subscribers. I'm about the messaging and the quality of the content, and uh, you know, doing my motto of uh, educating minds, one tailpipe at a time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a great show. I'm sure. I hope some people who listened to the first episode, uh, that you were on, um, have become subscribers because it's, uh, you really know your stuff and it's, you know, um, so many of these YouTube shows, on EVs are very slanted Mm -hmm. in my opinion, and you approach it as a journalist Mm -hmm. and as a, uh, kind of consumer advocate. Um, so it's, it's much appreciated, and the more voices telling these stories, the better in Canada.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. I'm glad that the, it's coming through that way.
0: Yeah. So in terms of how the pandemic will affect the growth of EV adoption in Canada, mm-hmm. uh, like everything else in these uncertain times, I've read a whole wide range of opinion. <laughs> everything from EVs are dead in the water to sales will take off when things return to normal. What, what do you think?
1: Well, I think uh, EVs are going to continue the forward momentum that they have, but obviously it's going to be reflective. In the in the way the entire automotive landscape is going to be impacted uh this year and potentially into next year we'll have to wait and see so relatively speaking i think the ev market's going to remain fairly strong um when we compare it to the the overall uh, automobile marketplace globally uh but obviously everything is going to go down uh that's just the way things right. are happening with shutdowns and all that kind of stuff so it's uh you know you can look at it in both ways that the glass is half full and the glass is half empty depending on you know what your your mindset is like
0: right obviously there's been uh, announcements from some of the manufacturers <laughs> i mean a very high profile coming soon for ford, uh, ford e yep. has been delayed um, essentially for for the amount of time that the factory has been shut down which i guess was 3 months so it's being pushed three back three months so i guess that's something that we can expect to see is that these Coming soon EVs, which there are quite a few of actually, um, will be delayed, which is kind of a shame because I think a lot of people were were ready this year to jump in the EV bandwagon.
1: Quite correct. You know, with the, the plant shutdowns and the lockdowns and everything that's happened worldwide, and, you know, we can talk about how that wave has, has come across the Pacific, you know, with China experiencing a shutdown first, and now we're starting to see some movement in their marketplace specifically in the manufacturing sector uh, related to auto, automotive. So absolutely, that's going to delay things. Uh, in fact, uh, I was just on a webinar with Ford uh, the other night, and they talked a lot about the Mach-E and, and that it is at least a couple of months delay from, uh, be, from coming out. But they still fully anticipate to get that vehicle into owners' hands this year, especially the, the, the intro um, uh, first edition that they sold out on. So they're committed to trying to do that. So that's that's positive news. Um, VW, of course, in Europe has has started, you know, they reopened the Oswickau uh, plant uh, back in, I guess, later April or early, early this month. And they started production, even though it was slow, of the ID3, which is a European bound, uh, their first uh, all electric vehicle on the new uh, ID platform from Volkswagen based on that MEB chassis and, and powertrain. So you know they're starting to crank those out, and they're they're already uh, announcing the order books are open for them in June, and people will start getting deliveries in the summer. So there is some momentum.
0: Yeah, and I saw just last week Polestar um, announced that the Polestar Two pricing uh, for Canada was coming, or has has been announced uh, with deliveries by the end of the summer. Um, it's a shame the vehicle. I mean, I guess it is a it, it is a, a luxury high end vehicle, so it's going to be. I think sixty five seventy thousand to start, which is kind of a shame because I I know a lot of people wanted to see this vehicle maybe below the incentive uh, rebate price of forty five, but again, um, you know maybe maybe the Volvo uh, recharge
1: might might hit that mark. You know I, I'm certainly hoping it will because I think that's going to be a great vehicle specifically for us Canadians who love our compact SUVs, right? And uh, and Volvo is a great name here in this country. It's you know it's got a long history associated with safety and reliability, and especially with our harsh winters, these things just truck right through it. So um, I'm really hoping that that vehicle will be more in line with uh, the incentive-based pricing that hopefully will continue. You know, I know with all the money now that the government, the federal government specifically, is putting into um, programs to keep economic stimulus, uh, keep uh, people somewhat uh, employed, even if it's virtually through uh, emergency funds and things like that, we'll have to wait and see how that incentive program, uh, if it, if it gets extended, because there is a, a, a cap to the money that's there in that bucket. And I know that we've been doing quite well on on you know, we as a com- as a country have been doing quite well as from tapping into that bucket and helping move EV sales with that incentive.
0: Yeah, that was actually one of my questions uh, for you was this whole federal rebate program because just as the uncertainty over, you know, the the short term future of EV sales, uh, there's obviously uncertainty over that. And let's face it, without the EV rebate programs federally and provincially, EV sales will suffer.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and the reality is they most likely will because of the economy. But if that incentive goes away from a federal perspective... Well, there are markets that are just beginning to open across Canada, you know, in, in the northern Canada, in other provinces that don't have any provincial uh, incentives, which is pretty well everybody except BC and Quebec, as you know. So, um, you know, they're just starting to see some upswing there. And if we look at, you know, how how um, EVs fared in 2019, even with some um, incentives here in Canada, you know, going away for a bit and then the federal kicking in. Um, we still had a good year. I mean, globally, you know, the, the thing to look at is global uh, automobile sales from 2019 were actually down, I believe, about 5% to about somewhere in the neighborhood of 67 million units globally. And plug-ins were about 2.2 million of that, uh, about 3% of the market share. So we actually saw an increase in plug-in market share from about 2.5 to 3% uh, for 2019. So even though the entire market, automobile market was going down the the uh, percentage of that market that's plug-in actually rose about half a percent. Um, so, you know, we saw some some movement there. Uh, of course, the number one OEM in, in that marketplace is VW Group with over 10 million units. And the number one plug-in OEM, I'm sure you could name who that is, starts with a T and ends with an ESLA. <laughs> you know, 300, yeah. 300, almost 370,000 units, uh, you know, which doesn't sound like a lot, but in the EV world, that's a lot. With of course the Model 3 leading the charge at, at at about 300,000 units, and if we if we look at the first quarter of this year, the momentum has slipped a bit, but it's still not too far off the pace. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen some of the numbers that have come out both from Global in Canada, uh, but I happen to have them here in front of me, so I'll uh, I'll bring them to reference. I came prepared for this. Um, the first quarter which is uh, January to March of this year global plug-in sales were about 460,000 units uh, around the world with of course the Tesla Model 3 still leading the charge at about uh, 71,000 and change units the interesting stat about that um about that chart from the, when you look at the the top uh, models and manufacturers from that perspective is that the chinese manufacturers which usually had about 6 or 7 out of the top 10 uh, global plug-in sales were Chinese manufacturers. In, in the first quarter of this year, globally, they were there was only one and it was at the 10th, the, the 10th position. And what that signifies to me is, again, uh, is that the Chinese market got hit with the corona shutdowns sooner than we did. They were closing in you know January, February, March, and starting to reopen in April, whereas we really started to shut down in March, April, May, and, and continuing. So that impacted their manufacturing and sale selling capabilities, and it shows on this list from an EV or from a global plug-in. Um, so you have others like Renault with the Zoe and the Nissan Leaf, you know, in number two and three positions. The you know that Mitsubishi Outlander, the world's number one selling plug-in hybrid, still you know hanging in there in fourth spot. So it's still doing vehicle. well. Yeah, huge yeah,
0: huge in Canada.
1: Yeah, very much so. So, so th- there's definitely some momentum there, and that was carrying into the first quarter, even though it was slightly out of pace from what we did last year. Considering what's been going on, um, it did quite well.
0: And when we are referring to plug-ins, you're referring to full electrics and also plug-in hybrids.
1: Yeah, correct, exactly. Anything with a plug, basically. Anything that has a plug that you can plug into, you know, whether it's a 110 outlet um, or a Level 2 or a Level Some some cases they don't have level three capabilities, but anything that has a plug, there are hybrids that don't have any plugs that just have very small batteries that offer, you know, an assist, as you know, in acceleration or stop and go movement. And they 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 continue on with the power in those batteries by regenerative braking. But they're very small batteries, so you don't really run the vehicle any great distances on battery only.
0: Interesting, you're just getting back to talking about China and and our previous discussion on rebates. Um, I understand that they have now taken away their rebate programs for EVs, which is, it will be interesting to see what happens there.
1: It will be. And, you know, it's unfortunate because that market's been really hot and then, you know, they kind of took it away, then they brought it back and now they're slipping the other way. So I'm not really sure what's going on from a Chinese perspective on that marketplace. It's too bad because, you know, obviously one of the major global contributors to CO2, to car- greenhouse gases uh, globally. So, you know, if any if any region needs to step up and take some responsibility and take actions, it's them and they've been doing it at least so far.
0: Yeah, but maybe they're, I mean, I'm not very familiar with the the, the, the policies over there in terms of these on the ground, but perhaps they're confident enough that they don't need the rebates anymore to sell EVs. I don't know.
1: Well, it could be. They have a plethora, and I've been trying, dying to use that word lately, so I'm glad I was able to get it in there, of, you know, of automobile manufacturers, and, and I'm hearing that a lot of them are struggling. You know, We may see a, a significant downsizing in the Chinese marketplace when it comes to uh, automobile manufacturers in general, and even more so on the EV side, because they have quite a number, many more than are available to us here in North America. But as you
0: say, I mean, with the big players like VW really upping the ante of their EV stable, that is going to really impact the domestic manufacturers in China, I'm sure, because the quality is not the same.
1: Absolutely will, for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. So another kind of uh, discussion point around the pandemic and um, I guess also some geopolitical stuff uh, between Saudi Arabia and Russia was the, the the, obviously the the price of oil and the collapse of the price of oil. And, um, you know, anecdotally, I'm hearing from people in the EV world that there's a feeling that the cheap gasoline, which we currently have in Canada and across the world, really will hurt EV sales. Um, in other words, you know, why would I, I mean, gas used to be a dollar 45, a dollar 50 here in Vancouver. Um, it dropped to about 92. It's a dollar six today. Um, So, is that an incentive? I mean, are people going well? You know, I was going to buy an EV, but gas is cheap, so I'll just keep my car and go from there. What What are your thoughts on that?
1: Great questions and great analysis. You know, I think it's a it's a couple different um, think minds of of ways to think about that. One is obviously that you know gas is cheap again, so that that um, that anxiousness to actually maybe get into an EV because of expensive gas isn't there. Um, but however, you know, the whole market is slowing down because of the economy and and the uncertainty in the economy for many people. Uh, you know, autos are are a big ticket item. So there's hesitancy, I think, across the board for people to actually look at buying something new, at least at this point in time, um, until this, you know, the economies, uh, wherever regions they could be start to stabilize and we see, we see stimulus starting to do their thing and, uh, uh, industry bounce back, you know, which is going to take some time for that to happen. So there's there's that uncertainty. So I think that's going to just uh, it impact certainly the EV marketplace, but the auto mar- uh, uh, the old uh, new automobile sales marketplace in, as a whole. And then also, um, it, even though gas is cheap, you know, I I think one thing that's going and I hope it comes out of this, and it's starting to resonate for some of the people that we talk to. You know, is the fact of, you know, you're seeing maybe on the news, you know, they show pictures of L.A. and and New Delhi and, uh, you know, and and, uh, Shanghai and Beijing and all these different places that are cleared. You can actually see things, you know, and some of it I remember reading an article about I think it was New Delhi or one of the the cities that are close to the Himalayas. And it's the first time they could actually see the mountain range in about 40 years or something like that in decades you know, because of the smog. So I, I think that there's going to be a, a benefit from a health perspective uh, and, and that kind of momentum that might help shift and drive the interest into cleaner vehicle technologies. You know, in some places they do have um, uh, fuel cells and, and it, it's a great technology where, the, where it's available and where you can fuel and, and run it, uh, but that's very limited. But I think the interest in those technologies are, is going to be brought to the forefront from a health benefit perspective, you know, look at, look at all the, the, the smog and, and the pollutants that are gone because there is data that's correlating those areas into higher rates of, of COVID infection and, and more serious infection. So, you know, where if you're in a city that has really bad air uh, as a norm, the chance, and if you get uh COVID-19, you get the coronavirus, the chances of you having a serious um, uh, uh, dose of that, uh, potentially life threatening is higher if you live in that type of environment. And, and that data is still being fleshed out, but it seems to be correlating to that fact. And you know if we can package that factually, uh, not just make it up, but present that to to the consumers that you know, this is one thing to think about because from what I'm hearing, we're gonna be kind of dancing with the devil on this for quite some time. I don't know if it's if it's ever gonna truly go away. you know there's there might be another corona, after this or some other variants you know that we have to be cognizant of right
0: yeah i mean you know you you read a lot of kind of analysis about uh you know one of the silver linings of the coronavirus pandemic could be kind of a wake-up call um when it comes to the earth and uh how we've been treating it and uh i think your analysis is is right i think that hopefully policymakers getting back to the rebates um, policymakers who make those decisions about keeping or uh, uh, you know um, denying rebates will take th- those kind of things into consideration and realize for the long term maybe it's good to double down almost on uh, the pursuit of EVs
1: absolutely and you know you're even seeing provinces like Alberta start to talk about other things beyond oil and gas you know and that for them is a monumental shift, right? That's all we've ever heard from Alberta. And, you know, God bless it. We need, we need that that market uh, because we know that, you know, there's other things than just internal combustion vehicles that rely on that, you know, other forms of transportation and use cases. Uh, but they're starting to realize, look, we better start, you know, the retooling our economy, our workforce, changing it up for some future things because there's, we can start seeing, a, you know, an end uh, to that, uh, that tunnel uh, in oil and gas.
0: Is it time for a new car?
1: Or is your vehicle in
0: need of maintenance or servicing? BC's new car dealers have provided an essential service during the COVID-19 pandemic, and with input from WorkSafe BC, have established a strict code of health and safety guidelines for its dealer members to follow to protect the health of customers and staff. Now, as we enter the next phase of BC's economic recovery, many dealerships have also adopted online purchasing options, including 24-hour test drives in which vehicles are dropped off at customers' front doors. For more information, visit newcardealers.ca. One of the things we talked about uh, in the first season when I had you on was the, uh, you know, talking about what's it going to take for EV adoption to really take off in this country. One of the things you pointed out uh, was that it's difficult for people to get their hands on some EVs. The, 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 uh, there, there there's a waiting lists for some of these vehicles. I'm wondering if now that we've kind of had a pause that we won't have that now. I mean, have you heard any have seen any numbers about that? I mean, in Canada are there are there EVs now sitting on car lots waiting to be bought?
1: I would say in most cases yes there are, and if there aren't, I don't think it's that hard for a dealer or for a manufacturer to bring something in that that a consumer could try. Um, you know they're going to be very hungry to sell anything that they can moving forward i'm not sure about bc because i believe you guys are a bit ahead of us here in ontario but i think you've already opened car dealerships and there's been some normalcy that's come from that yes that actually
0: correct? some didn't some didn't even close so i mean i don't think they're oh, i mean they okay. were mostly open i think for service um i had our snow tires taken off and did some service on our car you know in the middle of early april uh but the the car lot itself was just dead i mean there was nobody in there kicking tires talking to salesmen so um but you're right i think that there 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 will be a renewed backlog of these vehicles and uh hopefully those something that maybe you know prevented people from buying an ev because they have to wait 6 months if they can get that vehicle now uh it might it might spur not only car sales but also the the adoption rate here
1: yeah absolutely correct i mean i think the only OEMs that might have some shortage potentially still could be the, the Kia Hyundai or Hyundai. Um, I'm not sure how the, the Niro uh, inventory is sitting um, or the, the sole EV uh, or the, the Kona because it, that's just purely a manufacturing play globally. from Absolutely. Those
0: I mean, I know the Chevrolet bolt, which is a, you know, the, it's not the second generation that's the 2020. A second generation, I believe, is coming next year. But the updated 2020 is a great car, and I know that those are available. So, uh, again, that's a domestic producer, so um, not as big a global market for that vehicle. At least we're closer than the global market, so we get them first, I guess.
1: Yeah, very true. And as you said, you know, last time we spoke, a lot of these models that we're mentioning were very hard to find, and there were waiting lists. So, and and by comparison, it's much easier to find them now.
0: Yeah. I wonder uh, with these automakers, you know, given the fact that their factories have been closed and things, I mean, will they be looking at building vehicles that they can sell fast or will they be actually taking a pause and understanding that this might actually
1: strategically
0: work for them to pivot to more EV production? Anything on your radar about
1: that? Yeah, great question. I think it's going to be both. Uh, I think they're going to spool up to sell what's popular, the Corollas, the compact SUVs, uh, you know, whatever trucks. I mean, the things that are moving regional by regional, I think that's what they're going to focus on. You know, if you want something that is 5% of their sales, you might have to wait three months, you know, but when they run a line on that. But if you want something that they sell, you know, 30% or 40% of. Uh, You'll be able to it'll be on the dealer lot. So I think that that's what they're going to do to start getting some cash, some positive cash flow as much as they can, because we know that all the OEMs are hemorrhaging uh, money. That's just the nature of the beast. But I think exactly right. It is a great opportunity for them to pivot. And, you know, when you hear announcements from Ford, like they're investing 11 billion. GM, you know, with their GM day that happened a month or so ago, their EV day, they talked about huge investments and roadmaps for multiple model lines, you know, including Lincoln and Cadillac, uh, uh, all those, you know, different model lines. Uh, Sorry, I was talking about Ford there. All the different model lines from GM, you know, almost everything is going to be electrified to some degree and launching plans, you know, and those plans, as you know, Andrew, involve a lot of different things. First, they involve a lot of time, you know, the average Maybe you could correct me but I think the, the average new model takes about 5 to 7 years uh, as far as a cycle goes.
0: Yeah, it might be a little shorter. They say they say maybe down to 3 in some cases now, but you're right. It's 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 a massive research and development before they even they even commit to doing the thing.
1: Then the retooling and the all that supply chain, it's a pretty massive undertaking and you need money to do that, right? We've seen that with Tesla. You've got to keep having those billions, billions of dollars to to make cars. So I think they they are doing that. They're taking the opportunity to look at that.
0: Yeah, which which kind of I, I kind of had a thought the other day, and I was thinking, you know, I mean, this pandemic is a terrible thing, but had it come along maybe five or six years ago, when a lot of these companies weren't committing to EVs, it, it might have changed the whole trajectory of EVs. In other words, when they when they did retool, they wouldn't have the investment money, the R and D. I mean, I've heard. GM, you know, you, th- you hear the, the B word, the billion dollars thrown around constantly by automakers tanked, saying what they are committing to EV technology. Had we been in the situation five or six years ago, who's to say that, that we'd be where we are today with EVs? All these manufacturers, you know, up to their elbows in EV technology and ready to produce those cars. So in a sense, it's, it's kind of been fortunate that EVs are on a pretty solid foundation globally now as opposed to maybe five, six years ago.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a great crystal ball question, you know, uh, to, to look at. Um, my only, I guess, comment on that, Andrew, would be, I'm not sure if it would have been much more ahead because the EV market still wasn't substantiated enough, I think, to, to the OEMs to look at it five or six years ago. I think it was still, uh, it's a little nice to have, and we're doing it because we have to for compliance, for CARB reasons, right? Uh, you know, as listeners know, So we're going to build these things, and just, but we're not focusing on that. I really still believe that the Model 3 launch uh, uh, introduction and launch, the reveal, and the amount of reservations and the amount of upswell from a market that that garnered was a bit of a wake-up call to the OEMs to say, this is a valid market. If you build a good EV, people will come and buy these.
0: Yeah, and one that was priced in that price point as opposed to a luxury vehicle because the Model Ss were just... You know, after the, the big German manufacturers building luxury cars, but suddenly the, the Model Three started uh, hitting the you know, hitting the the, the the middle of the road entry level vehicles in some sense, and the Model Y is going to do and the Model Y is going to do the same. So essentially, like you say, everybody has to be in that space now, or else they're just going to lose market share.
1: Totally. So I think you know your analysis of a pivot is, is the exact wording. I think all the OEMs, all the major OEMs anyway, have looked at that and are starting to make, if they haven't already made the investments, and pretty well, I believe most of them have. I'm still, you know, I, I think you you attended the, uh, we, we saw each other at the Canadian International Auto Show in February, and, and if you sat through Toyota's speak at the beginning, I mean, you know, they, they talked about their electrification, but they're still heavily relying on fuel cell and, and, and plug-in hybrid technologies for the, the bulk of theirs. And, it's a little disappointing. So there's going to be some OEMs like that and maybe Honda, which is behind the eight ball and some others that need to catch up. But for the vast majority, they are they already committed, have committed, or shortly will commit a lot of those billions, as you say, to uh, to furthering their ground in the electrification marketplace.
0: Yeah. So finally, just um, you're sounding positive about, about where EVs stand. I mean, there's a lot of doom and gloom around the auto industry in general, but you, you feel like we'll come through this on a, on, a, on a growth trajectory with EVs?
1: I think so. I think year over year, uh, it's funny you asked me that question because I believe on, on my last show, one of my last shows, I actually did a prediction that I feel, and it's kind of right in line with Bloomberg uh, as well, Energy and, and their finance guys. There's a bunch of reports coming out. You know, some analysts like uh, guys in the UK that I've read are predicting a 45% decline in the EV marketplace, the global plug-in marketplace this year. So I don't think that, that that's going to be, Probably that far off. I think Bloomberg is a little more conservative when they're talking about eighteen to twenty percent, or something along twenty-three percent, something along those lines. Um, but you know, I, I'm 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 kind of in line with Bloomberg. I think it could be a thirty to forty-five percent drop, somewhere in the middle. About we may finish up at the one point five to one point seven million plugins this year. And again, if we're looking at last year uh, at two point two, that's obviously down. Uh, those percentages. So I think the market will be down. If we look at the first quarter in Canada, you know, we actually did quite well versus the last quarter for uh, 2019. As I talked about 2019 numbers earlier, you know, we we're we went up uh, almost uh, almost a percent. We went from three percent market share in Canada for uh, electrified vehicles to three point eight in the first quarter of this year, the um, ending March. So obviously, we were already seeing growth here in Canada. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but some of the recent numbers have just come out for April, (laughs) and I was going to bring it up because, you know, I like to be a realist here, but um, if I'm not spoiling anything, I just got April's numbers, and the plug-in market in Canada in April has dropped 622%. So month over month, they went from March to April, a drop of 622%. Um, the, the, the the vehicle that was selling the most in Canada from an electrification perspective the model 3 as an example went from almost 3,000 vehicles in March to 143 in April I mean that's a significantly huge drop I mean now there's no there's no problem in finding a model three on a lot somewhere <laughs> or or other EVs right so I think you know now we're getting to that doom phase right you know the doom and gloom and we're going to see these really big, these, we're off the cliff now but I, I you know the question you asked is do I see a, a, an upswing I certainly do I think it's going to be in the latter part of q3 uh, and, and into Q4 before we see that upswing and the and it's got it's got to come with consumer confidence in the economies in general and and their ability to be able to get back into buying bigger ticket items
0: well uh, that's all the time we have today Ken um, again it's uh, Ken Bocor. Wow, that flew by. I know, it always does. (laughs) Uh, Ken Bocor, host of the EV Revolution show on YouTube. Check it out. Uh, As I say, it's uh, time well spent if you're interested in uh, EVs, and uh, especially if you want to buy one. He's got great consumer knowledge on that channel. Again, Ken, thanks so much. And uh, hey, season three is just around the corner, and uh, I'd love to have you back.
1: And I'd love to be a, a, a... Three, what is it, a three-peat, I a guess? Three-peat, yeah. Something like right. that. Well, I'd good. love to be a three-peat. You know how to find me. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much for having me, and the best of luck and continued success with that. Thanks, Ken.
0: Along with face masks, social distancing, and hand-washing, the pandemic has given us the two most overused, dare I say overwrought, phrases in recent memory. Those being unprecedented times and new normal predicting how things will proceed and where we go from here and how quickly is educated guesswork at best. I hope you kept that in mind during my interview with Ken. It certainly provided a snapshot of where we are right now in terms of EV vehicle sales, that being lousy, as with all new vehicle sales, but it also gave you a glimpse into how the EV sector should rebound once things return to, well, normal. We'll be keeping a close eye on how governments approach EV rebate programs in the coming months as these have proven essential for the adoption of electric vehicles in this country. Likewise, with a steady stream of all new EVs coming to Canadian showrooms later this year and into next, the interest in the segment is sure to regain the momentum it had before the virus hit. That's it for this episode. Thanks to my guest Ken Bokor, producer extraordinaire Dar Makwana, and you for joining me on another electrifying journey down the EV highway. We always welcome your comments and criticisms via email at pluggedin at com, For your daily dose of automotive news, views, and reviews, be sure to check out driving.ca. And subscribe to Plugged In wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.